Hey, it's Jo. Welcome back to this channel or welcome to this channel if you are new. Thank you for watching this video or for listening to this podcast if you are listening on Spotify. I have a podcast named What Happened by Hey, it's Jo on Spotify. If you want to watch it or to listen to it, I will link it below. Please check the description box. So for today's video, we are going to talk about part 2 of people who survived a tragedy or an accident or miraculously survived a tragedy. So for our first story is about Cecilia. On August 16, 1987, Cecilia and her family were on board the Northwest Airlines Flight 255 at the Detroit Metropolitan Airport. Yung family ni Cecilia were on their way home to Tempe, Arizona after visiting a family. Unfortunately, her parents and her brother along with every other passenger aside from Cecilia would never make it home. Yung wing flaps nung airplane had not been set properly and yung left wing nung aeroplano clipped a light pole during takeoff and dahil doon nagcrash yung aeroplano half mile away from the airport leaving behind a trail of smoldering wreckage as in shocking yung lugar kung saan nangyari yung accident i will insert photos hindi naman masyadong graphic ito or if medyo graphic gagawin kong black and white but ang makikita lang naman is parang mga nasunog na parts ng aeroplano at that time it was the second deadliest aviation accident in U.S. history, leaving only one survivor out of its 149 passengers. Anim na crew members and two people on the ground were also killed. During this time, Cecilia was only four years old. And ang sabi niya sa mga interview to this day, hindi daw niya naaalala yung crash. Hindi niya naaalala kung ano yung nangyari. Understandably because 4 years old pa lang siya nang nangyari yung plane crash. Nakita si Cecilia ng mga rescuers doon sa wreckage. Um, nakaupo pa rin siya sa upuan niya and meron siyang seatbelt. She was whimpering beneath the body of a fellow passenger. And over 30% ng buong katawan ni Cecilia was covered with third-degree burns. Gaano kasakit yun? Para sa isang four-year-old. She had a broken leg and her collarbone was also broken. Ang sabi ng mga medical examiner, wala din silang explanation kung paano nakasurvive 
si Cecilia. Cecilia received four skin grafts, yung skin niya inayos, grafting yung tawag. And she made a full recovery and she went to live with her aunt and uncle in Alabama, who shielded her from media attention. Siyempre, ang mga media dahil nag-iisang survivor lang siya. Siyempre, gusto nilang ma-interview, gusto nilang makita, gusto nilang ma-picturean. Pero dahil nga minor de edad, binabuti nung uncle niya at nung kanyang tiyahin na nagpalaki sa kanya eventually na ilayo siya from the media attention. Hindi na-realize ni Cecilia na she was a sole survivor of a plane crash until her adolescence. And for a while, she struggled with survivor's guilt. Usual daw itong survivor's guilt sa mga ganitong pangyayari. Lalo na't buong pamilya niya yung um, nag-passed away. Until she broke her silence in 2013 for a documentary called Soul Survivor. Investigators later suggested that Cecilia's mother had shielded her as the plane went down, saving her life. Although hindi naaalala ni Cecilia yung plane crash, nagpatato siya ng plane dito sa kanyang wrist. I'm not sure kung sa kaliwa or sa kanan, pero dito sa, sa wrist niya to memorialize the event. Kahit na ganun yung nangyari kay Cecilia, she lived a full life despite losing her family. She got married in 2006 and despite thinking about the accident, the plane crash every day, she reportedly flies regularly. Sorry, nalobat na yung camera ko. So, let's continue. Mag-insert na lang ako ng photos sa screen kasi hindi ko na mara-record yung sarili ko and naka-charge din yung aking phone. So, let's continue. Next on our list is Annette Herfkens. On November 14, 1992, 31-year-old Annette Herfkens and her fiancé, Willem Venderpa, boarded Vietnam Airlines Flight 474 in Ho Chi Minh City for Nha Chang. They were heading for a romantic getaway. So, nung approaching na yung sinasakyan nilang aeroplano, which was Flight 474 ng Vietnam Airlines, there was a bad weather. So, yung airplane, nag-descend siya below a safe altitude and it hit trees along a ridge, it crashed, and the plane was destroyed. And si Annette Herfkins was the sole survivor of the crash. Yung 24 pang passengers and 6 crew were killed. Annette survived eight days with multiple injuries and she sustained herself only on rainwater. Dahil dun sa lugar kung saan nag-crash yung aeroplano, wala naman siyang makukuhang pagkain kumbaga. Actually, karamihan dun sa mga passengers survived the initial impact but they eventually 
passed away before they could be rescued. So si Annette lang, yung nag-iisang natira na nakasurvive. Her fiancé, Willem, died instantly upon impact. In 2014, Annette published a memoir recounting her experiences. The title was Turbulence, A Story of Survival. And it was critically acclaimed by authors. Next on our list is Mauro Prosperi. In 1994, Mauro was 39 years old. He was an Italian pentathlete, which means he joins pentathlon, parang triathlon. Triathlon dahil tatlo yung events, ito naman pentathlon, so lima. It was a contest featuring five events. Mauro was a former police officer and he decided na sumali sa Marathon de Sable. It was a six-day, 250-kilometer race through the Sahara Desert. It was described as the toughest race of its kind, and it's one of the most famous endurance running events in the world. So a total of 80 participants joined the Marathon de Sable, And Mauro was joined by one of his friends. On the fourth day of the marathon, Mauro entered an area of sand dunes and suddenly nagkaroon ng sandstorm. And according to Mauro, he was swallowed by yellow wall of sand and hindi siya makahinga. Parang siyang sinasampal nung buhangin and sabi niya, ang feeling daw was, it was like a storm of needles. So, eventually, nakahanap siya ng shelter and he waited for the sandstorm to end, which lasted for 8 hours. So, nag-spend ng night si Mauro doon sa sand dunes. And he was upset. Because during that time, before siya maka-experience nung sandstorm, he was at fourth place doon sa race. Naisip niya na hindi man siya manalo, maganda pa rin yung time niya. I mean yung time nung takbo niya para matapos yung race. And ang plano niya, kinabukasan, gigising siya ng maaga para itry na ma-finish yung race at a good standing ng time, kumbaga. However, yun ang akala niya. Akala niya mahabol pa niya yung time at kung hindi man siya maging fourth place, siguro maging fifth or sixth man lang. However, pagkagising niya, iba na yung itsura ng paligid niya. Alam niya na nandun pa rin siya sa same spot. Alam niya kung nasaan siya. However, kahit meron siyang compass at meron siyang mapa but without points of reference kasi sa mga marathons especially sa mga desert ang only way na malalaman mong ito yung yung track kumbaga madalas nilalagyan niya ng flag na tinatanim sa either sa sand or kung sa land naman kayo mag-re-race sa mga puno 
basta meron siyang palatandaan kumbaga. So dahil nga nagkaroon ng sandstorm, lahat yun lumipad. So wala ng point of reference si Mauro kung saan siya pupunta at saan siya tatakbo. Imagine nyo na nasa gitna kayo ng desyerto, walang landmark, walang kahit na ano, kahit saan kayo tumingin, pare-pareho. Kahit pa may compass ka, di ba? Nakakaloka. I've joined a marathon before pero hanggang 5 kilometer lang yung kinaya kong takbuhin. And afternoon, hindi na ako nakapag-marathon ulit. But it was a great experience. So, Mauro was lost in the desert. After running for about 4 hours, umakit siya sa taas ng sand dune and wala pa rin siyang makita. Kahit nandun na siya sa mataas na parte ng mga buhangin. Ang pinakamalaking problema niya was kalahati na lang yung tubig sa kanyang water bottle. So, ininom niya yun ng paunti-unti and eventually naubos. So, he resorted to drinking his own urine. Yung ihi niya. Ang dami ko nang nababasa na ginto sa mga survivor story. Ang sabi ng mga professional, quote-unquote professional, hindi daw advisable na inumin yung urine kasi meron siyang urea and may salt. So, mas madidehydrate ka daw. Pero, dahil nga wala ng choice si Mauro, yun ang ininom niya. And, kumain din siya ng hilaw na paniki at snakes. Pag hilaw yung kinakain mo, may water din yun. So, he was eating and drinking at the same time. And, nung nabasa ko to, ang sabi niya, a total of about 20 bats. 20 na paniki yung kinain niya. Buti na lang, this was 1994. Kasi kung ito ay 2019, 2020, nakakaloka. You know? What's happening with the world today? Yung virus came from, you know? Anyway, Mauro thought of taking his own life. He actually attempted to take his own life pero hindi siya nagtagumpay dahil nga nandoon siya sa gitna ng desyerto nagthicken yung blood niya nung hiniwaan niya yung sarili niya imbes na maubusan siya ng dugo yung dugo niya kumbaga namuo parang ganun so afternoon Mauro took it as a sign parang ang sabi niya it was a sign na hindi pa niya time hindi pa niya time na mamatay nung panahon na yon. Na-regain niya ulit yung confidence niya and he decided to see it as a new competition against himself. He was competing against himself. So bigla niyang naisip yung advice ng isang Tuareg person Tuareg means a member of a nomadic Berber people of the Sahara, the Sahara Desert. Sinabi nitong Tuareg na to na, if ever you'll get lost sa desert, tingnan nila kung nasaan yung clouds sa horizon at dawn, as in sa madaling araw, and kung nasaan yung clouds, susundan nyo lang siya. Pero, 
kailangan mo ding iset yung compass mo, just to be sure. Kailangan mo tandaan kung nasaan yung mga clouds na yun at doon kasi during the day, nawawala yung clouds. So Mauro decided to head for the mythical clouds on the horizon. Naglakad siya for days and habang naglalakad siya, he was eating snakes, lizards, and he was eating these animals raw. And ang sabi ni Mauro, there was kind of a deja vu that kicked in inside of him. Like his inner caveman emerged. So habang naglalakad siya, hindi man siya 100% na hydrated at least kahit papano dahil nga raw yung mga kinakain niya, may fluid pa rin. In the early morning, naglalakad si Mauro. Pagdating ng bandang tanghali, naghanap siya ng shelter dahil sobrang init. And paggabi natin, hindi na masyadong mainit, naglalakad siya ulit. Doon sa few days na yon na nawawala si Mauro sa desert, aware siya na he was losing an incredible amount of weight because hindi siya umiinom ng tubig. Wala siyang mainom na tubig. Kumakain lang siya ng... Siyempre yung kinakain niya, hindi din naman madami yun. Ano. And na-amaze ako kasi buti alam niya kung ano yung snake yung hindi poisonous. Kumaga. And dahil nga nasa uh, marathon disable siya, so kumpleto siya ng mga gears. May knife. And then... The more na naglalakad si Mauro, the more na nararamdaman niya na paluwag ng paluwag yung kanyang relo sa kanyang braso. Kaya niya nalalaman na ilang araw pa lang na mamayat na siya. Sobra niyang dehydrated na hindi na siya makaihi. Kasi anong iihi niya? Hindi mo siya umiinom ng tubig. Luckily, ang sabi niya, buti na lang daw, meron siyang anti-diarrhea medicine na palagi niyang iniinom kasi bago sa katawan niya yung kinakain niyang raw na mga pagkain, bat and snakes. Kumbaga may baon siyang diatabs. And ang sabi ni Mauro, yung motivation daw niya to keep on walking and to stay alive is because he wanted to see his family. He had three young children under the age of eight and his wife. So, Nag-concentrate siya doon. After 8 days, nakakita siya ng oasis. So finally, he was able to drink water. He was sipping slowly for about 6 or 7 hours. Dahil sobrang dehydrated niya, kailangan kunti-kunti lang yung pag-inom niya. And nung nandun siya sa oasis na yun, nakakita siya ng footprint. So naisip niya na... Eventually, makakita siya ng tao doon. On the ninth day, nakakita siya ng mga kambing. And it gave him hope. And then, he saw a young shepherd girl. Nabigla rin tumakbo kasi natakot sa kanya. Siguro natakot sa itsura niya kasi by this time, biroin yun, nine days na siyang nawawala dun sa disyerto. Kulang siya sa kain, kulang siya sa tubig. And sobrang itim na niya according to him because nga, mainit, kaya siguro natakot yung batang babae sa kanya so eventually itong batang babae sinabi niya dun sa mga adult na may nakita nga siyang 
lalaki doon sa oasis, tumawag sila ng police, dumating yung police, kinuha nila si Mauro, and he was brought to a hospital in Tinduf. After 10 days, Mauro was able to call his wife, and ang una niyang sinabi sa asawa niya, itong si Mauro nakakaloka din. Ang sabi niya, Have you already had my funeral daw? Quote-unquote, have you already had my funeral? Kasi nga, 10 days na siyang nawawala doon sa desyerto. And kahit na sino, hindi mag expect na makikita pa siya na buhay. And dung nakita siya, he only weighed 45 kilograms. May damage yung kanyang mata and yung kanyang liver. And he was only able to eat liquid food. And it took him 2 years to fully recover. So, naisip nyo, siguro naman, nagtanda na tong si Mauro and magstay away na siya sa mga ganitong klaseng marathon kasi biroin nyo yung dalawang taon bago siya naka-recover kasi syempre siguro nagkaroon din ng effect yung internal organs niya. Siguro dahil naapektuhan din yung mga internal organs niya dahil dun sa kanyang um, pagiging dehydrated and pagkawala niya dun sa desyerto for almost 10 days. But, no. After yung makarecover, itong si kuya mo, bumalik ulit sa desert running. He actually tried another two times sa Marathon de Sable. Nag-try siya noong 1998, pero hindi niya natapos yung race dahil nagkaroon siya ng toe injury. And finally, in 2012, Natapos ni Mauro Prosperi yung Marathon de Sable. So, nakuha niya yung gusto niya. Siguro naman. Siguro naman, ano. Pero yeah, that's it for our survivor stories for today. Which one of these stories sa tingin nyo yung pinaka-shocking as in na-shock talaga kayo? Comment it below. That's it for today's video. Thank you so much for watching. Please like and subscribe. I hope to see you on my next video. Please stay safe, stay home, and be a little kinder. God bless you all.